0: What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast.
1: You're invited to join the club for episode 163 as we chat with email strategist and e-commerce copywriter, Sarah Henson, about the struggle of freelancing and having her biggest revenue month ever, building an effective email strategy what she's done to take her business to the next level, and how her past life as an actor has made her a better copywriter. Welcome, Sarah. Hey. Hey, Sarah. Hey there. Great to have you here, Sarah. Let's just kick this off with your story. Uh, How did you end up in e-commerce and as an email strategist and a copywriter. <laughs> well, it's kind of a convoluted story, which I think pretty much everybody who's been
2: on your podcast says it's been a bit of a a weaving tale. But for me, um yeah, you touched on it that I was a an actress um for about 12 years. And when I say actress that, you know, it's not like I was a super famous or anything like that. I I was, you know, in the trenches doing all of the auditions here, there and everywhere, getting gigs like every now and again, but you know, for twelve years I was constantly um, you know, going towards my goal and getting always getting little jobs here and there that just kept me going and kept me fueled all the time. Um but then um as I got into my thirties, uh you know, things started to change and my priorities changed. I met someone and we ended up getting married and having children. And um, the life of an actor um, going for auditions all the time and being available for, you know, tours and gigs and things like that is not really conducive to life as a mother. So um, I decided that it was some, well, it was high time that I had to kind of switch gears. And I actually ended up uh, starting my own actors agency because I knew a lot of what goes on in the industry and how it works and everything. And I thought I could be really helpful to help other actors to get work. So I started an agency, I ran that for about three years. And that was mildly successful. But um, I kind of, I think it was necessary for me to be able to kind of segue from acting, which was my passion. And I I still have a a little bit of a yearning deep down when I watch some stuff on TV and in the movies that I was like, Oh, that could have been me. Um, But it was a way for me to let go of that big dream that I had of winning an Oscar one day um so I actually got to see a little bit more of the other side of the business which wasn't quite as pretty um so it allowed me to let go of that dream and then after I decided to close the business down because it just wasn't uh, generating the revenue that I wanted I um kind of switched gears again um did a business degree. And then I found the online world, which like for many people is kind of like a rabbit hole, where you go down and you find there's so many different things that you can do and the possibilities of what online business can actually bring you. Um, And I ended up um, going into coaching. Uh, I'd never coached before. I'd never done any coach training, but I kind of bought into this idea that anybody could be a coach. And I thought that, you know, with all my acting training and the fact that I've been so resilient and always going for my dreams and um, never giving up was something that um, not a lot of my peers had uh, about them. And I knew that that was something special that I had, that I was able to kind of just keep going no matter what. And I thought that that was something that I could bring to the table as a coach. And I, I know um, Well, I say I worked as a coach for about a year i um had that business for about a year, but I, for some reason I just couldn't get it going. I couldn't get consistent clients or anything i you know had a few clients here and there um but it it really wasn't my where my strengths lay so again, it was a case of okay switching gears what what can I do what can I double down on that I knew I'm good at and during the time of actually setting up my coaching business i was i'm quite a techie person, so I ended up um going into virtual assistance work and um, helping people with their technical side of things. And that kind of led me to um, ended up setting up a lot of people's email systems. And then it, I don't even know how it happened. But some of my clients were just asking, can you just put together an email for me? I just want to say this, that and the other. And suddenly, I started writing emails for people. And because of my acting trainer could kind of like replicate their voice as well. So I was able to kind of match what they were saying in a lot of their social media posts and, and write um, emails that then guided the two either social media posts or sales pages and things like that. And that's kind of how it all came about. And it was, um, it was only about 18 months ago that I was like, okay, copywriting, this is the thing. This is the thing for me. Uh, and that's where uh, it kind of like started from there really about 18 months ago that's when I declared and held up my flag that I am a copywriter (laughs) and then it's from that point on it's kind of you know, evolved. And now I, you know, work in strategy as well. So that's, that's how I got to where I am today.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is a winding path. A a lot of uh, turns here and there. Yeah. I'm really curious, Sarah, about your training as an actor and how that has impacted what you do as a copywriter. Can you talk a little bit about the things that you learned and did as an actor and how that, you know, either affects the client and how you're dealing with the client or the work that you do or the voices that you take on?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, at, over time, as I've uh, you know transitioned through all these things, at, the acting part of me has always been like at my core, and I saw a lot of similarities into um, you know doing the research on ideal clients and uh, you know prospects and things like that was very much like stepping into role as a character. The research that you have to do um, when you take on a new character. Um, because a lot of the times if you get a script, you don't get the backstory of the character. So it's not a case of just making it up. You have to kind of make executive decisions about what that character could possibly have done to get them to where they are today. And so it's very similar to actually putting on someone else's clothes and actually stepping into that role. Um and that actually comes into play when you're looking at the like for a client of mine, their prospects who I'm writing, um, my clients work for but also stepping into the role of my clients as well because then I have to also embody who they are to be able to replicate their voice and do that so it's kind of like a twofold system of like actually stepping into both roles um, and doing all the research behind that to actually um, get to the lacking like a character understanding what motivates a character to do something their behaviors and why they do stuff it's all very similar in copywriting. And that's how I kind of like use that skill um, in my writing and in the strategy as well. And it it is not something that I can say it's like a one, two, three step system It's kind of like an innate thing that just kind of comes to me. (laughs) And it's not something that this is one of the things I was thinking, if like, if I were to ever teach on this, like, how would I package that? And I'm still working through how I can actually systemize that and say, this is how it's done.
1: So I'm still working on that point. <laughs> because when you actually do this, you are you stepping into the characters, like you're feeling the characters, right? I mean, you become the characters. Is that safe to say?
2: Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of the time, <laughs> if you had like a little camera in my my uh, in my in office, where well, it's actually my front room of my house, um, watching me as I write, sometimes I actually just I have to close my eyes and imagine myself in the situation, and this is one of the things that the the type of acting training that I did it was in the Meisner technique, which um not a lot of people have heard of, but I call it it's a kind of a method acting and it's all about truth and honesty and um being in the moment and actually um embodying your character as if it was real and so for me, when I'm writing it is a case of like actually getting myself into uh into the zone and i know a lot of copywriters you know need to get into flow and copy into the zone of writing but this is also actually getting into the zone as a character of actually um you know changing my breathing <laughs> this might sound a little bit of woo woo and that but changing my breathing um imagining the situation that I'm actually writing about and how they're going to be feeling if they're coming up against a struggle or challenge and and how that actually plays out and, and you know what will then motivate them to take the next step so it's um yeah I don't know if it's a little bit of I would like to call it a little bit of magic in there I don't know
1: And how far does this extend? Will you take that character and embody that character and go to the grocery store or do you leave it in (laughs) the office?
2: Uh, Generally, it's usually when I'm writing, but sometimes they they do come up when, you know, especially when when it's a bit of more of a challenge to write something. I have always found that disconnecting from everything is always the way that um, inspiration hits me. And often, uh, you know, when I'm in the gym, I will end up... um, you know listening to podcasts and and all sorts and then all of a sudden something will come to me and i I'll, I'll have to like jump off the treadmill or off the stairmaster and get my um my little notepad on my phone out and, and make a note of something because it's just hit me there and then and i don't know if you've ever heard of um oh, i think it's big magic by elizabeth gilbert she talks about inspiration and creativity that moves through you and sometimes it's like a like a breeze that you actually have to catch on the tail end of it before it moves past you. You have to catch it. And it's like, if I don't do it there and then uh, it will be gone and it will be lost. So um, it's kind of, yeah, there's no science to it. I don't know if it would be called science at all, but yeah, it is that bit of magic that you, well, that I, yeah, sometimes it comes to me when I'm in the
1: gym, but I don't intentionally take the characters with me if I ever go anywhere. (laughs) Okay. You mentioned 18 months ago is when you, really you pivoted uh, and declared you're a copywriter, which is sometimes so surprising to me to hear when copywriters declare they're going to be a copywriter, because I feel like you've been at it for years and years just knowing you. Uh, So can you talk about what happened 18 months ago when you decided I'm a copywriter, I'm doing this for real, I'm going all in. What are some of the actions you took at that point to then move forward and and take your business to the next level knowing that this is what you wanted to do. Mm, well,
2: it's it's interesting because that transition of like saying I was a copywriter, like you say, I felt like I was a copywriter before then, but it was that whole imposter syndrome is like, uh, you know, my clients know me as their uh, virtual assistant tech, um, online business manager to then call myself a copywriter or I, I, you know, I've not been hired as a copywriter in itself, so I couldn't really call myself that, but it was a case of, I actually, uh, the, the transition point for me was. I'd been working towards, you know, building something for myself as a copywriter. And it was at that point where someone said, Yeah, um, can you write me some emails? And it was right, okay, this is it. It was Jan, it was actually a little bit more than 18 months ago. It was January of 2018, I think it was. And it's like, okay, okay, I've got my first copywriting client. So that that means I'm a copywriter. And it's almost like I had to have that validation to make it real. Um, and it was at that point that I, you know, put my URL up and said, you know, online, my changed my website because I was such a tech geek, it was so easy for me to change my website, pulled the old one down, put a new one up, I'm a copywriter, this is what I do. And it was just from that point onwards. And it's just like, one foot in front of the other, client after client. Um, you know, slow. And, and it wasn't a case of like, bang, that was it. Copywriting from that point on. It was a, you know, a few months of transitioning. Some clients in, some clients out. Uh, and I and I have to say, I still have one client from the early days who I still do tech stuff for because I love her, love her dealing, and we and she's almost like a friend. And but it's all part of who I am and what I do.
0: Sarah, can we talk about how you have moved into a particular niche? And I know you've been around a little bit with uh, a few different ideas and and have finally, at least I, I believe, finally landed someplace where you feel really comfortable. But uh, talk about a, a little bit about that and how you, um, the process that you went through in order to figure out what it is that you really wanted to work on.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, for me, from the start, it, it, it was always an email from the start because that's kind of how I got my starting copywriting was writing emails and it's just um focusing down on emails was quite a natural thing for me to do because it's like that just easy breezy conversation with someone and i really enjoy and then that's kind of like lends itself to the um the acting side of things of being able to communicate and connect with people on a, a more intimate level and then um going into e-commerce that kind of that wasn't really a decision it was kind of made up for me in terms of um i had some referrals and then i started working with a supplements company and i realized that you know what i was doing for that company writing their emails and helping working through their strategy and everything it was a case of this this is something that I know I I, I'm good at and I'm getting results for and actually why not use what I'm learning in this uh, with this client to actually put myself out there as an e-commerce copywriter and it's so much easier to then really focus in all your activities in your business um, when you've got a very clear goal of like this is who I'm working towards uh, working for and working with and um, it also plays very much into Uh, My philosophy is uh, universal kindness, which is something I'm very passionate about, is that I'm very interested in working with uh, e-commerce companies that are um, mission driven, but also have kind of a, they want to make an impact in terms of being kind to the planet, whether it's sustainability or natural products, natural health or wellness, uh, but also kind to animals, because I'm also um have a plant-based diet I, I do things very naturally with my um my, my lifestyle as well and so it kind of it was almost like I had to pull all these elements together to figure out what this niche was that I was going to be serving and so it's come down to you know emails what I love e-commerce um selling products of you know natural products or um Products that have uh, an impact in some way on on the planet or humanity in general, being kind in three different ways to humans, to creatures, and to the planet. And so, like I say, it's it's not like I just kind of came out of the the womb as a copywriter and said I'm e- an email email copywriter. It's um, it evolved over time, and it chose me. I I, I would say but it is a really good way to have that guiding light to be able to um, really focus your activities in your business, I think.
0: And as I listen to you talk about your story and the things that you've done, it feels like a really natural progression. And like, you know, things have been really smooth. It's all made sense. It it just kind of happened easily. And that's probably not the truth. In fact, this is probably the case with a lot of our podcast interviews. You know, we talk about our stories and oftentimes we hit the highlights, but we forget some of the lowlights. we talk a little bit about some of your struggles because I don't think it's been all easy, right?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things and I don't know whether this is um for all copywriters or whether it's for creatives and create in particular because I consider myself creative having been an actress, but it's it's strange because there's like a, a a deep down there's a core belief about being able to succeed in what I'm doing, otherwise I wouldn't keep going. Um, and that's always been there. But there's like, there's the whole imposter syndrome is like, every time I submit a piece of copy, I'm like, are they gonna like it? Is it gonna be right? Is it the right thing? Um, and constantly questioning myself is like, am I doing the right thing? Am, am I giving you know producing good work? And yeah, I keep getting the results and it keeps um, affirming what I'm doing is good. Um, But the challenges for me have been along the way of actually each um, segue or um, transition that I've done has come with a new hurdle that I've had to overcome. There was a time last year when I was... really fully embracing the whole copywriting um, part of my business. And one of my clients decided that they didn't want to work with me and not w- didn't want to work with me anymore. Her business was going in a different direction and she didn't need my services anymore. And she was kind of like my, my staple income. And I just separated from my husband. I just moved out into a place of my own with my children. And that was kind of like the time where I realized, holy crap, I've got to really figure this out, because um, I'm on my own now, I don't have any uh, a backup plan, be- other than getting this copywriting business properly going. And so, uh, you know, and I actually struggled with a lot of anxiety around that time. And it is really debilitating, because it's almost like, it's not something you can control. I mean, yes, you can do some meditation and breathing and stuff like that. But those are the those are the real challenges is when you wake up in the morning and you have this kind of feeling of dread about your day and the only thing you can do is just get up and and get going and I have to say that probably having my kids around me is the one thing that's kept me going not because they're like my shining light or anything but it's because um with when you have kids you you there is no excuse you have to get up in the morning you have to get them ready and get them to school and it was a case of like they kept me going. And, you know, once I dropped them off at school, that dread came in of like, I've got to, you know, sit down and get on with this work. Am I any good? And, uh, you know, each, each stage in business, it comes with these challenges and these new, um, you know, it's It's breaking through that ceiling of like, what's possible for you because you get to the point where, yeah, you've done something, uh, but the next level is something that you've not done before. You can see it's possible but to get into that ne- next level is such a—I uh, wouldn't say a struggle, but it takes a lot of grit to just keep the keep the faith that what you're doing is the right thing, but also that you have got the, the gumption to to actually get there.
1: Sarah, I'd love to hear about what comes next for you and your business. I know you've set some really big goals, um, financially and uh, just big life goals. Can you share some of those with us? Oh yeah, sure. I mean.
2: I have to remind myself sometimes that um because I, I see because I'm in the think tank and I see like some big goals being set by other people and I try try not to compare myself with them because my situation is very unique in terms of well everybody's situation is unique and you can't compare yourself with someone else. But I'm very ambitious because um, for one, I'm 43 and I don't have a pension or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I spent, you know, a a good 20 years of my life um, running around doing things I love, but not making a lot of money at it. So I'm not I'm not in a position where I am, um, you know, set up for life or anything like that. So I've got some big ambitious financial goals because I like what money Um, does for people and does for me you know and one of the things that I mentioned earlier was that you know I did um, uh, separate with my husband and I'm in the process of now buying my own house and for me to actually say that and and the actual house purchase is going through next month so it's all on track to go through and everything and this has been like the biggest thing for me so far Um, because when you know when I was an actress I earned very little money Um, and for me to say that I'm actually purchasing my own house with my own money, with money that I've earned working from home and yet still being there for my kids, I pick them up from school every day. I drop them off at school every day. You know, I'm there for them in the holidays. Yes. There are times where I put them in sports clubs and things like that, because there are days where I need to get on with work, but generally I am, you know, a full-time mum, Um, and so so having that goal of like buying that house um, has been the thing that's been my my guiding light through the last year and a half, basically. Um, but now, I, you know, it's kind of I'm at the point of like, okay, so what's next? So I'm I'm almost there with that. That's just it's just got a few ticks ticks of the box, and then that's done. And then it's like, okay, what next? And I, uh, I I'm not exactly sure. What the future is going to look like in terms of my copywriting business and that, but I know that I want to create a lot of income streams so that I'm I'm not reliant on just one thing, you know. Because I do love copywriting, but writing for clients day in day out, um, I I it, it's draining, you know. It takes a lot out of me, um, and I would like to be in a position one day where I'm not writing, you know, all my time isn't taken up with writing for other clients. I I would like to be able to write for myself. Whether that is in the shape of a course, I have no idea. I'm not sure if I'm a teacher, to be honest. But um, I'd like to think that my creativity is going to come into it. And who knows whether I may write a book one day, I might write a screenplay or a film, who knows. But um, the fact that I'm able to sit in my house every day and write, which is uh, an incredible gift, really and earn good money at it, and support my children, and still, you know, be able to see friends and things like that, it's kind of like, it blows my mind that I'm able to do that. And I'm forever grateful that I actually fell down that rabbit hole those years ago, and found the internet, because, you know, there are days that I, I know that a lot of people are who, especially copywriters, like they're their parents might say so what do you really do like you know my dad sometimes says to me um, I'm not sure what you do um but are you okay do you, do you need to, to borrow some money or and I'm like no dad I'm okay now I'm, I really am you know I'm not like I'm struggling when I was an actress I I'm I'm doing really well and like you mentioned in the um the intro to this that I've just had my biggest month ever I um I had I think it's 11,000 Uh, $11,000 a month last month. And like, even six months ago, that would not have been possible for me. And you can tell the way I'm talking, it it honestly blows my mind that that's actually possible. And I do see that it's possible with other people as well. And that kind of keeps me inspired to keep going, even through the tough times, even the times when I think, you know, oh God, I just haven't got the motivation to to do this right now. I just have to keep going, and that's one of the. I think that's one of uh, my strengths is that that resilience, and that's always been with me. And I and I have to thank my dad for that because he's one of these people who's just said, you know, you've got it in you, Sarah. You've just got to keep going, and you can't let anybody. Um, you know, get in your way in terms of bring you down or say you can't do something because, you know, no one else's opinion matters. It's only what you do in your life that matters. And as long as you've got, uh, and I, this brings back to my kind of universal kindness philosophy is like if you're kind to other people, if you're doing good work, if you're, if you have your morals and your ethics in place, you know, I don't think you can go wrong and just keep forward, forging forwards towards those goals Yes, you may struggle. Yes, you may have a knockback. Yes, you may have to take two steps back to go one step forward. It's just keeping your eye on the prize and keep moving forward because that's that's the only way you can do it, really.
0: Yeah, I've seen a big mindset shift in you over the last year, and I wonder if you know, we can talk a little bit about that because, like you said, you know, uh, realizing that this kind of uh, a money goal, you know, is even possible is a big deal maybe having a home was a dream a year ago but the fact that you're actually making it happen and earning the money to make it happen your mindset has definitely made a shift and maybe you can tell us a little bit like what was it that you did that helped you make that shift from uh where you were before to where you are now
2: ah that's a really good question um what made the shift i i don't know it was just a case of um i I had to do something, you know, it, I couldn't rely on anyone else. It's not the case that I didn't feel like I could rely on anyone else. It's the case that I I didn't want to rely on any, anyone else. I've always been very independent and that's been kind of like maybe... <laughs> you know my family will say that it's kind of uh, one of the things that they love about me but also uh, find it difficult about me because I'm so independent I want to do everything on my own and I don't like to ask for help and things but um that's one of the things that I realized that is that you do have to ask for help and you need to find support in certain ways um whatever that is whether that is like asking for someone to help you look after the kids or um you know just reaching out to someone and say hey I've got a question. Are you able to help me here? Because I feel like it is, <laughs> again, a bit woo universal kind of karma. that if you're nice and help people and I try to help people, whether that's in business online or, you know, just if I see someone str- you know, an old lady struggling across the road, I will actually stop and say, look, do you need some help? I will go out my way to make sure that that person's OK um, and I feel like if you're good to other people, you know, that will come back on you. And so, but I've always felt quite, I found it quite difficult to, you know, ask for help from myself because I think, oh, what if people think I'm trying to take advantage of them? But that's one of the things is like, I, I had to let go of the idea that um, I had to do it all by myself. And so that, that's one of the things of just like looking for um, people who've gone before you, who've done the same thing that can can inspire you, whether they're an official mentor or an unofficial mentor, because there are people, you know, who I follow online who I, I, I consider them my mentors, but they have no idea who I am, but I look to them as, you know, the, the thing that shows
1: me it's possible and to keep moving forward in that way. All right. So Sarah, um, About the $11,000, like your greatest month, I think there are copywriters that might hear this and say, well, how did you actually do it? Beyond the mindset shift that has happened and what you mentioned about asking for help and not doing it alone, in that particular month, what did you do differently surrounding that month? Did you raise rates? Did you sell more packages? Did you um, up your marketing game? Or like, what does it actually take to... Uh, hit these really great numbers and um, have your greatest month?
2: Um, well, that's, it's interesting because uh, I've never really reflected on that before. What, what changed to actually make that happen? But I think it's a case of putting in the foundational work um, because this is a long game. It's not a case of like, uh, I like to use analogies, like push this button and this happens. It's kind of like push this button, then a domino falls and then um, a, a leaf Flutters off a tree, you know that kind of effect that like a year down the line something actually happens, and I don't want that to sound like okay, you've got no control over this, but it is a case of you have to put all the foundational pieces into play, and a lot of that comes from connections and um conversations, and just be really generous with um your time and being a good person, getting up a person and being that kind of person who. Um, people want to refer because that's where most of my work has come from is referrals and connections. And I, I make it a point to, um, you know, always do right by the people I'm working with. And that's the only way that they're going to refer you is like, if you're doing good work and you're um, reliable and you're delivering on time. And that's one of the things that I'm, I'm very, very, um, I don't know if passionate is the right word, but I, I'm on the money with like, if I've got a deadline, that's it. I'm going to hit that deadline. I mean, I had a deadline yesterday for a, this brick project I'm working on, and I had to work for three days straight, really into the early hours of the morning to get it done. But I hit my deadline and I delivered the copy at the time that I'm supposed to because I cannot allow myself to not deliver on my promises. And it's kind of that integrity piece of like, actually, doing what you're going to what you say you're going to do and I feel that that is kind of like um you know at the core of being successful is that if you're going to be able to say give a promise and you can deliver on it that is going to create all this good karma and people will refer you and it is a case of just keep on going no matter what and and if someone had said to me you know even six months ago you're going to have an eleven thousand dollar month Um, and I'm like, yeah, sure. Right. Okay. That's that. Yes, I see it's possible. I see other people doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's to actually break it down. That's part, part of that is, um, one of my big retainer clients that I've got. Another part is, um, a big project that I've just taken on. Another part of it is lots of little things that just continue to, um, kind of happen, like uh, someone booking a strategy session with me, um, because I've been referred by another person. And uh, again, a lot of that work comes from referrals. Even just like someone booking a strategy session from my website, it comes from someone else saying, "Oh, go to Sarah; she'll be able to help you um, sort out your email sequence if you just book the session." And that comes from there. That you know, it's not. And I didn't have to have a, a sales call for that. Someone referred me. So uh, that's. I, I I don't know if that answers your question or if that's actually helpful to anyone of like, how do you go from this to this? I, um, that's kind of like how it happened to me. It's very organic, though. but it's, it's that constant, you know, belief in yourself and doing good work.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it is really helpful. I'm curious. I, my guess is that a lot of people are listening are thinking, okay, connections, relationships, easy to say, but I work at home on my own. I'm alone, like which you do as well. Uh, What are the things that you do to connect with human beings so that you can actually make those referrals happen? You know, are there, are there, Places that you go, or places that you hang out online, or like, how have you fostered those relationships?
2: Well, I have to say, and this is not just blowing smoke up you guys' ass awesome or anything, but um, you know, the Copywriter Club has been instrumental in actually getting me to where I am now because that was my first foray into like what copywriting was. I was introduced into the the free Facebook group by someone, um, and that kind of that was like the domino effect. You know, I I found. Uh, and listening to your podcasts and I uh, another thing was the um, copy chief as well with Kevin Rogers I kind of got into that community so the community of the copywriter club and um copy chief together has that has been the the foundation of all my connections without a doubt I could trace every connection back to every connection every referral and every job project back to that without a doubt
1: yeah, and that's where I first met you at Copy Chief. It was like late night at Copy Chief, I believe, when we first met. Um, so, Sarah, can we talk a little bit about comparisonitis because I, you touched on it earlier? But I want to hear a little bit more about how you've dealt with this because there are these great communities, communities that we've created, other communities where you get to meet all these other copywriters and marketers, and it's it can help you grow your business and get these big ideas, but sometimes it can also hurt you where you start to compare yourself to everyone else and where they are not knowing the backstory. So have you dealt with this personally in your business? And and if so, how have you dealt with it?
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, I think it's impossible to actually, you know, go into any kind of business without comparing yourself. And I don't know whether that's I'm sure everybody, I was gonna say if that's a female thing or not, but I think everybody has that. Because you look to others to kind of guide the way and there's no doubt that you think, okay, how did they do that? How did they manage to do that? Oh, I'm not going to be able to do that because I don't have this, that and the other. And you you compare your situation with them. But I think at the end of the day, you have to come back to the point of like, your own personal situation is absolutely unique and no one has got all the different things going on in their life like you have. And you've got to forgive yourself for times where you you know don't do you aren't able to achieve the things that you want to in a certain time frame or whatever but also just keep keep going and that that's the thing is that that one foot in front of another is like see using what you see in other people as fuel as opposed to um you know dousing the flames of your passion or anything like that you have to allow it to fuel you allow it to make go okay it is possible to do this they may have had this, that, and this, that, and the other in place for them. Okay, maybe they had someone supporting them to to help them in this journey. I'm not. I don't have that. So, okay. So, what can I do to um, to uh, make up for that? And and you just have to. I think it's a case of, um, you know, just thinking ahead and, and seeing different perspectives and seeing different ways you can approach things. Uh, it's having that problem solving mindset. It's like, OK, rather than coming up at an obstacle, don't don't get me wrong. You come up against an obstacle. Yes, you may have a pity party because it's like, oh, my God, I can't do this. And you may have feel pretty bad for a few days or something. But it's kind of like that get up dust yourself off. Okay, how can I work through this? How can I, Sarah, use my skills, because I know I've got skills and and experience and my unique perspective on things? How can I use all of what is me and who is me to actually work through this? And you will find a different path to someone else. But, you know, just having those other people who you're comparing yourself to Use it as your light, as your guiding—you know—as your anchor to know that it's possible. Because it's like, you know, trying to go into space or something like that. You know, it is—you know—is possible. its you know it's possible it has been done before, and everything pretty much has been done before. Yes, there are pioneers who are doing the new things for the first time, but generally, most things in business it's been done before, and it's possible. And you have to use that as fuel to keep you going, and. Sometimes seeing other people do things and you, and you make yourself think, oh, I can't do that. It's just a case of having to switch, switch it around. It's like, how can I make this work for me so that I can do this or do it in a similar way or do it in my own way, my unique way to get to where I want to go. I guess
0: the other way to do that is to compare yourself to people who are failing. And then that just makes you feel better. You know, as you, uh, <laughs> Obviously I'm joking about that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no, but you hit on a point now, because it is a comparison I did because you have to compare yourself to like two months ago or three years ago or like 10 years ago, because When you see how far you've come, it kind of like, like I've said before, it like blows my mind that I've just had this great month or that, you know, when I think back to the times when I was waiting tables and working working in bars as an actress, you know, I used to you know, scrap around for for change to be able to get my um, my ticket into London when I used to live in London. Or I used to skip paying for my ticket on the train because I used to be able to get through the gates without being being seen. And I didn't have a, you know, a rail card because I couldn't afford it at the time. And when I look back to those days where I had literally I had very very little money and I was living in London as well and paying exorbitant rent you know when I look back to that it's like how far have I come so that I'm now buying this house which I'm I'm scared to say the, the the price of it is that but it's over a quarter of a million pounds it's like it just blows my mind that I me Sarah Henson who used to be a struggling actress now can afford to buy that house it just and that's the end, <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast that <laughs>
0: yeah, is it's, it's an amazing an amazing transition for sure um not going to let you end the podcast yet, though, because we do have a few more questions. One of which is about balance. You know, you as I as I've seen you build your business and work hard, and you've accomplished all of these things. You're not doing it at the expense of also having a life. You still go to the gym. I know you do some pole dancing stuff from time <laughs> to time. You know, you're spending time with your kids. Like, how do you how do you balance everything so that you know it's not just about the money and success, but that your family gets some attention too?
2: Well, I don't think it's necessarily balance. I just think everything comes in phase. Is like, for example, I just said that I spent three days working solidly on copy, and that was, you know, over a weekend. Um, you know, luckily my kids were with my ex-partner um at the time. But the thing is, it's a case of like just being being in the moment for what it is. Um, sometimes I'm working very focused on copies, other times I have times where I, I need to chill out and watch some Netflix. <laughs> and then there are times where I, you know, spend time with my kids. Whereas one thing that I do have as a non-negotiable is going to the gym because, um, uh, this is kind of going off track a bit, but every year I choose a word to focus on, and funnily enough, the year my word for this year is is focus because I found that I I because I feel like I've got quite a creative brain, I I get ideas and sparks of and and I go off in lots of different directions, and I thought this year I really need to focus my time and energy in the right places, and I decided that my health was pretty much my number one priority this year because um like I said I'm 43 I you know I I I am pretty healthy but you know if I want to make sure that I'm going to continue to be healthy I need to make sure that I am actually laying a good foundation right now and that means getting strong you know strong in my muscles being able to um have a healthy diet and I chose that no matter what that I was going to go to the gym and luckily you know I think this is something that we've talked about um you know in the think tank about habits and thats that is that. I've made it a habit to go to the gym. If I didn't have my kids, it'd be really hard to get the the motivation to get up in the morning and go to the gym. It's just the fact that my gym is on the way home from my kids' school. So every morning I take my kids to school and I, I put my gym gear on and I go to the gym. Uh, and it's just part of that routine that I do. Um, and even uh, it was uh, yesterday, I very nearly, I, I thought to myself, I, I've really got to get this project finished. I was like, no, I need to go to the gym because it's actually my space where I kind of um, just disconnect from it all. Um, and then I've also got, like you said, my pole dancing, which is just kind of my my absolute pleasure. I love my pole dancing, not in the sexy kind of way. It's actually a fitness kind of thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I used to be a dancer when I was younger, um, all through my teens and everything. I, I did a lot of dancing. Um, and since having kids, I've never, I've not really done much dancing. So I, it was one of the things that I always wanted to do when I was younger, was just to do pole dancing because it's so cool. Um, and then I found a school nearby, and it's just, but I only do it once a week on a Friday night, and it's like the end of the week, my release of like, I just get get on the pole and do some strange moves, and and it feels so good because it really helps my confidence because it's just, I don't know what it is about it, it feels so so good to be able to <laughs> I was about to say master the pole but it sounds kind of <laughs> wrong <laughs> oh dear. but you know to be able to like do the moves that um I do on a, a pole is just it, it feels so good because it's like core strength and just really
1: taking control of it you know Yeah. You need some upper body strength to master that that pole. It's impressive. Uh, So Sarah, I want to ask about your experience in the think tank mastermind, which we've mentioned a couple of times that you've been in our mastermind and we've been able to get to know you really well in that group. Uh, Can you just share a little bit, like what was your, what has your experience been in that mastermind and, um, what should other copywriters look for in a mastermind if they're thinking about joining one um there are lots of masterminds out there what are some questions they should think about before joining a mastermind
2: oh yeah sure i mean my experience with the think tank is uh when i join i was like am i in the right place i don't think i'm in the right place and i had such a a wobble about whether i was doing the right thing not because i didn't think it was going to be valuable but i just uh you know the the people that were in there, I was like, oh my God, these people are so much further ahead than I am in business. And it was just a case of like, I don't know. I think it was a case of just the fact that I'd invested some, a decent chunk of money into something that's so big, it kind of just puts you in that place of like, oh my God, am I doing the right thing? But it has been amazing because it's not that I can um, point my finger at, this thing has helped me do this thing it's the idea for me that I've got this year-long support that no matter what happens it's there it's almost like my safety net my comfort blanket that I have got this team of people around me who are my team you know they're, they're there for me and I'm there for them in the same way that um are cheering me on sharing their wins as well, uh, and so that I can also see what's possible, get feedback on not only how I'm copy, but also, like, pricing, things like that, it's is invaluable. It really is to have a, a, pe- a team of people who are on the same page as you, working towards the same goals, who are in it together, and who are such a lovely bunch of people? They really are. And and in terms of like what to look for in a mastermind, I think it's just a case of like finding your your tribe. You know, finding the people that you know. I know you don't know the other people that you're going to be in the mastermind with, but the people who are leading it, like yourselves. You know, from the moment I joined the Copywriter Club, the Facebook group, there was just something about you guys, the the community that you had created, that um, I don't know. It was just one of those things that I just felt attracted to you both. <laughs> I'm in love with you both. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just that thing. is like feeling that vibe of like seeing who is hosting a mastermind or a community and finding those people that are actually going to, you feel like you can gel with and you can see yourself in, in a way. And I think that's the only way you can actually choose uh, a community to join, really.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, and the feeling is mutual, of course, Sarah, we we love you uh, as well. You know, as I think about different masterminds, um, the and and certainly this sounds a little bit like an, an ad for the think tank, maybe we should have our podcast editor cut that out and, you know, paste it on every podcast. But um, it, it is important to invest in yourself at some level. And, you know, depending on where people are, you know, sometimes that's, you know, the purchase of a book or two, or maybe it's a course, or maybe it is, you know, finding your own group of people that you can hold each other accountable or, or joining a mastermind. Um, but it really makes makes a huge difference. Um, I kind of want to ask something a little bit different. And that is, where do you see your business going from where you are now? You know, you've had this awesome month, uh, you know, where you, you hit a, a best month ever. You're Obviously, you've talked about some of the goals that you've set for yourself. But what uh, changes or what things are happening in your business in the coming months?
2: Well, my, my focus really um, is to be able to have a repeatable um, service so that um, e-commerce companies can come to me and um, I can write their email sequences. But it's something that, you know, I've done on and off with projects here and there, but I I need to kind of clarify the service so that it's a repeatable thing and so that's what I'm working on um over the next few months is to to really um hone in on this service so that I can make it repeatable and once it's repeatable it's it's easier there's no questions or um you know um there's no fumbling around of like how I do this and how I do that it's a structure that I can repeat over and over again. So that's kind of like how I see like the foundation of my business over the next um, next few months to the next year. But also I, I would like to embrace more of my creativity as well and have more conversations. And I know this is something that I've talked to you guys about is the potential of actually having my own podcast for the change makers in, in the e-commerce world who are really creating products that are, helping the planet and, and really either helping the planet or helping people in, you know, with their health and things like that, you know, either vegan products and things, uh, but talking to them about why they do what they do and, how they have then gone on to create a product that sells you know the the process that they've gone through from idea to um getting it out there and then marketing it and things like that, but also to understand why they do that the passion behind they why they do what they do um that's still like an idea in fruition at the moment and um that's maybe coming out at some point next year i'm having conversations with people at the moment to see if this is something that is my jam or not because that's one of the things is like With anything like with copy is testing, isn't it? You have to test what works. And so that's my process over the next few months is testing, having conversations with people and seeing whether that is something that is needed or wanted Um, But I feel like that is, I'm really, really passionate about this kind of space of universal kindness. And um, even if it's like talking to someone who owns a company that makes um, packaging that is biodegradable, that kind of thing, you know, and, and bringing that more to the forefront of people's consciousness, really, so that you know, people can understand. They can buy products like this that are actually helping the planet, helping themselves, helping other people, um, and just making that more more accessible to people. I think,
1: Sarah, you probably have heard us ask this question before. Uh, what does the future of copywriting look like to you?
2: Ah, the future of copywriting. Um, I feel it's more going to be about breaking down barriers um because i'm on i'm i'm the big big fan of instagram i love scrolling through instagram when i when i have the time usually <laughs> at night before i go to bed but i love seeing like stories from people and seeing what they're doing in their business and i feel like there's um there's a there's an opportunity for copywriters and for marketers to be able to break down those walls um, is a little bit like, I'll bring it back to acting again, is that whole idea of like this kind of um, effect, movie effect, of being able to step into um, the movie. You feel what that character is going through and you, you feel emotional and like a movie can make you cry, it can make you laugh and everything. And I feel that there's a bigger opportunity for copywriting um to be able to break those barriers down and be more engaging more vulnerable dare i say it i'm using air quotes more authentic but actually sharing more of what's behind the scenes and why the com- why what you know if we're talking about um uh, e-commerce companies and copywriting for e- e-commerce companies why they are doing what they're doing and using that kind of um philosophy behind the strategy of copy to, to break down those walls and share more and be more vulnerable, I think.
0: Sarah, this has been a crazy awesome uh, interview. You've shared a ton of wisdom and some you know, really, really good ideas that maybe others can follow. If people want to connect with you, speaking of human connections and you know, forging those kinds of relationships, where should they go?
2: Go to my website. My website is sarahenson.co.uk. And, um, you can get on my email list and um listen to what well, read about what I'm getting up to in my copywriting, but also like in this space of universal kindness, I share a lot about that, and I have a download of um you know what's working in e commerce emails as well, so if anyone's listening, who's a in e-commerce and wants to know what lots of testing has resulted in over the last six months of a, a company that has a huge list i'm going to be sharing um that in one of my downloads so they can go there SarahHenson.co.uk. thank you sarah thank you very much
0: you've been listening to the copywriter club podcast with kira hug and rob marsh Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopyrighterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.